0: Up a poke,
1: a poke, a poke, Kaye, music fans, it's another Crash Chords podcast. Oh, that
2: was
0: so bad. <laughs> really, bad. That was really,
2: yeah. Because we can't curse. or well, we're not supposed to. We well, were like, right. you
0: almost, because you had the M there. So it's I like, you Kaye, music mother, fans
2: and friends. Mothers and fathers and other individuals. The really awkwardness can't.
1: lends a something to it. I don't know. I'm and not happy, happy families
0: on one, two, three Main Street. Honesty.
1: honesty. Honesty. I'll go with honesty. That could work. Yeah, no, it really doesn't. No, No, it doesn't. Not really, not really at all. No. Um, It is another week of podcasting. Um, We're just coming off of yesterday, actually, spending our wonderful St. Paddy's Day with the Wasties. Um, They performed a double set at the Um, Waystation. It was pretty awesome. Like, a
0: full
2: two hours of just Wasties music hitting my eardrums.
0: Well, you don't get, I don't get Irish music, like. Every single week, or every single day, or minute for that matter. So when it's condensed into that little time frame, I kind of like it. Everyone needs to get in touch with their Irish, just a little bit. Even if you're not Irish, get in touch with it. I'm fair. Go or to visit it. Ireland. I but don't
2: know. I, I'm just saying, like the safety dance is not an Irish song. Well they
1: Irishify stuff too and Celtify. They've said that. Yeah. And the the, the gag Iri- is the Irish Irishify That makes the, it Irishish, right? I, right. Okay. No, we just the ga- going with the, Celtish. The gag is, though, is that before every time they play Safety Dance, before that they go, this is one of the oldest and most well known folk Irish songs. It goes back hundreds of years. Like they set it up like it's an actual tra- tradition traditional song and then they play the Which safety is weird dance. because Had they me also mm-hmm have Gaelic speaking
2: individuals they do both well, so. doing ginormously old Irish songs. Yes. Which would imply that Safety Dance was older than those songs, which I I will I will not believe until I see some actual, you know, historical information. But that's just me. I'm a doubter. You like sourced material. That's okay. I do. That's I really do. okay. I got into an argument early, earlier with Matt, and I gave him sourced
1: material, which I'm appreciative of. Yeah. Sourced material is important. I like because John
0: doesn't usually source it. <laughs> no, That's I just say true. things. <laughs> yeah.
1: but I, it's when I back them up
2: that people go, "Wait a minute."
1: <laughs> um. That's enough of that, I'd say, before our album review. Do you uh, want to set us up for this, Steve? This was your pick. Oh, I will gladly. Almost me. to the point of violence. This was my <laughs> pick, and he stole it from
0: me. This, yeah, this was um, my pick to the point of violence, in fact. Um, St. Vincent and her self-titled album, St. Vincent. Vincent. Thank you. John, you didn't join in. I, 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 I didn't feel the urge. All right, all right. You didn't feel it. You didn't feel the love. Fun fact,
2: this is her fifth album
0: oh her fifth, fifth album that's right fifth. yes um along with a bunch of other stuff that she's done well i'll get into that in a second because i owe my discovery of saint vincent to a whole sequence of events and band names which will then lead me straight into her background so i'm into this band called beirut anyone know it yes baltic folk really really cool stuff right it doesn't seem related you does it well it's gonna be related he made me listen to a little bit of it did oh. I? I, I that sounds like me yeah, yeah it sounds like something he did yeah. So some years back, I got my friend Tasha into it, uh, just from playing it in the car, and apparently it was enough that when she was working at at BAM, Brooklyn Academy of Music, some years later, she ended up inviting me to a concert featuring them, because I'm absent-minded and I never check for concerts myself. I wait for friends to invite me to said concerts featuring bands that I'm head over heels for. It's a system that works for me. Anyway, the concert at BAM was called Crossing Brooklyn Ferry, which is an homage to the Walt Whitman poem, in case you're familiar, and I found that this was the closest I could ever get to putting, like, a pin on my tastes. It was a three-day event, though, and the day featuring St. Vincent was not the day I was there. Instead, I got into another band, one of the openers to Beirut, a band called My Brightest Diamond, featuring uh, shower, or fronted by Shower Warden. Uh, this day also featured a string ensemble called Y Music, who was working with My Brightest Diamond, who uh, Shara Warden wrote on uh, arrangements and ensemble expressly for them. And honestly, as a result of all this, it marks one of my greatest music discovery days, because apart from Tasha earlier mentioning that the St. Vincent Band was also kind of pretty cool, because she saw it the earlier days, she was there for the entire three-day event, I really discovered them later by YouTubing my Brightest Diamond song, We Edited Up, which blew me away at the concert, featuring Y Music. And I noticed in the related videos that St. Vincent had also written for Y Music. And the song was called, or the piece was called Proven Badlands. And this just blew my mind. This is where I started to put the pieces together in, in just all these different artists started coming together. Because like Shara Warden, the girl in question who is St. Vincent, Annie Clark, Annie Erin Clark, they both were backup singers for Sufjan Stephen back in the days when he had these really giant projects like Illinois' back in 2005. Really, really great stuff. And it seemed that no matter who it was, it seemed that once, once dismissed from Sufjan Stephen's little harem of top-tier musicians, they went on to have careers that were furiously unique. And amongst them was, as I said, St. Vincent and everything she's done since has been interesting as john put it when she listen when he listened to this album it was interesting
2: it was curious at the worst of it it's He curious. likes to
0: use these words to be vague i i prefer vagueness in this regard though no no it's appropriate because uh i i wouldn't i wouldn't like introducing saint vincent to anyone telling them exactly what to expect wouldn't be it wouldn't be fun that way
1: yes actually Completely that is correct, because I didn't know what to expect, and even if I had expectations, I'm pretty confident this album still would have blown them away. I,
2: I did appreciate the cricket bat to the face when first listening to this album.
0: Nice. Then I've done my, 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 my godly duty.
1: When you say cricket bat, I can't help but just picture pick of the Dead. Just instantly my brain goes there. Oh uh, no, I go old school.
2: I go uh, Casey Jones. And the whole understanding of what a crumpet is.
1: Oh, the original Turtles movie. Alright, I'll give you that. Both solid nerd (laughs) references, but yours was kind of a little out of left field.
0: Yeah, but it's timeless. But but I'll take it. Again, he likes
1: vagueness in his speech and his music. Let's uh, kick off the album review unless there's anything else you want to share with us. No, no,
2: no. He hasn't said anything about St. Vincent herself.
0: Oh, yes. oh, I've said enough though. I, I, that's exactly where I intend to keep this until um, we actually get into the music. I figured the, uh, the, the only the only thing on I'll purpose. introduce is just proven badlands because it actually is it's it's separate even from her album work. Um, but she is a composer. That's the thing, and so is Shara Warden, and they were both affiliated with Su- Sufjan Stevens. So basically, this is a pitch to you. Check out anyone who was ever affiliated with Sufjan Stevens. I will take that under advisement okay wow <laughs> i'm
2: trying to be as vague as humanly possible he yeah. seems to like it today it's irritating to me but
0: today you know. who knows? So vaguely, next week maybe not who knows yeah, Who knows? we're kind of a f- um so let's get into this vague the... first track here vaguely called rattlesnake actually vague, not
1: vaguely it? called rattlesnake at all it is in fact called rattlesnake, called rattlesnake. I mean, it's the intro track to the record all over the lyrics here it's pretty on on the nose and um as far as expectations go just from the initial beats of this track it shattered any that i had for whatever reason i got it in my head even though steve said nothing to support this theory but sometimes i don't need it um i thought saint vincent was an indie band i don't know why i guess their sudden popularity that i hadn't really heard a lot about them until recently this kind of thing steve has for being kind of hipstery every now and then Uh, every now and then i'm being nice and so I never know the days to take it as a compliment or an otherwise and but so, I guess
0: today it's a success so. I
1: made those connections and went oh it must be indie and boy is it not it's uh, there are indie you know, moments you there's indie but, moments yeah, throughout yeah, the, the album but, but, but not not Rattlesnake Rattlesnake is a great intro that has this wonderful electronic beat that kicks it off from the beginning it pulls you in <laughs> taking you by the hand and almost leading you to run
0: well, see, that's the thing. Even just as we start off in this first track here, let's not ignore the fact that based on all that I've said about her being uh, a great composer and being influenced by many, many other great composers, this is a pop album, really, at, at, its, at its core, I think. Or at least it reaches out that way, the, the catchiness. It's, it's once you look within that, that's where you see all the little complexities. Uh, and yeah, I, I agree. I mean, you almost—I could interpret that—that that beat work uh, in this song particularly almost as like chip tune esque. Just a no, just it's a not chip tune.
1: It's chiptune. No, yeah, it definitely goes. Well, that's that definitely is in in—it's in, in the
0: that. pop electronica uh, brand. So uh, you're going to be getting a lot of Moog, mini Moog, I think. Well, I think right, and also
1: most chiptune bands. I mean, they're working off of things that are creating MIDI music. So anything that can create MIDI sounds are going to blend and sound similar to each other.
0: Well, here's the thing. I, I I agree with John on one point, that at least as of the first track here, it's not so much like it, it reels you in with this immediate depth. I think that's the reason uh, that I, I sort of labeled it a pop album, not just for that, because believe me, the depth is coming. But this is a fairly bob-your-head-to kind of song. There's a lot of ah-ah-ahs and oo ooh, ooh, ooh. So You know what? Were you saying it was indie earlier on, I mean, or saying it wasn't indie and that you expected such, I would almost put that label to this. Almost. Just almost. It's right. off the wall, and it's unique for her. At the same time, it's got that feel to it. Well, it was the
2: digital personification of the drums. Not just the beats, the drums, the guitars. Everything had a vibration to it that's associated with the MIDI sound, but they still had a very natural feel to them. Um, This was very present in that uh, digital guitar outro, but the the main thing is it speaks to, lyrically, a separating oneself from technology. The whole song is about wandering away from the roadwork into where they actually keep the power lines and finding yourself alone. And experiencing uh, solitude, which is—it's—it doesn't seem to speak to any theme work yet. This is a good, a good starting place, though, for what gets really built, good start for what gets built into the album as a
0: whole, though, and you have to keep that in mind. Um, I like the fact that it introduces her character, and her character is always these little quirks that she inserts within her melodies, or or her interludes. In this case, you know, those uh -uh ah-ah-ahs, and especially the chorus. When you have that running, running rattle behind me, there's this breathiness in that chorus. It's almost in sort of a sexual manner, like how how rapid it is. But, of course, when she alternates the words, when it's sweating, sweating, then running, running, you at least feel the motion there. She's involved in every word. And it... Yes.
2: What made this song, uh, that perked more than just my curiosity, that really started me getting into the song itself, was during this uh, outro-ish. I, I, it's, a, it's a long repetition of the running, sweating back and forth. Uh, and while we say pop, it doesn't undergo any pop formulas in its actual composition of verse and chorus. It was I, the additional no, it's more layering. It's more
0: in line with it than you'd think. It really is. That's another thing that that holds us up as pop. I think. Not with this outro. I'm saying that this is unique. And it oh, was the outros that. are actually. Yeah. It was
2: that and the additional layering that took what had become a little stale for me beat wise. I really was starting. It was starting to wear on me throughout the other, the rest earlier two thirds of the song. But it was that additional layering and complexity that was being introduced here that ended with that guitar outro that I really started enjoying myself.
0: Well, you know what? You bring me to a good point, and I think I'm going to use this uh, as a bit of a jumping off for, for for the next track and the later parts of the album. I'm you know? not ready though. that All right, you go first, then.
1: So the one thing I wanted to say, though, is that while I know that you guys had some minor issues with this track and that it wasn't as engaging as the later tracks that came, the thing that this track did is exactly what a great intro does. And I know that we throw around how good an intro was or classic intro and all that BS constantly, But what it really personifies for me here is it leads me by the hand gingerly enough for me to willingly move forward. There's nothing in this track that thrusts me into anything. It allows me to calmly walk through the track, enjoying my surroundings and choosing to move forward. And, And what really does it is that steady great beat, the great flow and scratch that comes later, and then that solid outro. Is the shove into the pool? Ah, uh, but
0: see, that's the thing. Any any pop song could do that, and I feel like this takes it just the next step because there's a, there's a sense of reservation that I get uh, here on this album regarding her her what she wants to do. Especially when you compare it against other of uh, uh, some other compositions, I think she wanted this to be a little more of a lighthearted thing. And I actually caught in an interview uh, she mentioned that this this is her her version of a party album. But the kind that you'd play at a funeral, which I think says a lot I, about what she was going for here.
2: I, I really can't see that lighthearted ideas in, this, in, in these songs. Oh, this one. Thematically, easily. musically, yes. Content in the lyrics definitely does not promote that's any That's it, though. That's, that's the duality between hey, the no, part. That's exactly but what you're saying. I don't see it transforming to a funeral unless it's possibly the death of society. <laughs> and I mean, well, I'm not, I'm, I'm saying that may, I didn't want really to You know, I yet, would take it a little is, bit further than that. This, this is and where I, we're
0: going. In my opinion, if, if you're going down that road, I would say the death of the self. Yes, there you go. That's a great, and that's something that comes up much later in a forefront. But even Birth in Reverse is about... She makes some grandiose claims. No, definitely. She takes it beyond the self in, in little moments here. But, but I want to just pull back, just okay. here, just just to talk a little bit about the music here. Because it, it does a few other things. Uh, just Considering what you said before about how it's you know you start to get little 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 bits of complexity here And there especially in her melodies, which is just you know again as I said furiously unique this album It's littered with complexity, but not plastered in it And I really really love it for that for that simple fact There's moments where she takes these simple straightforward grooves and then she just shuffles the cards and this this track as an opener is no is no exception But that's the thing, for the wrong audience, you know, this could be seen as like a street that's dotted with potholes, but for the right audience, it's like a row of gold coins that just press forward and collect. I like the the, uh, uh,
2: Super Mario illusion, and or Sonic, depending upon, no coins
1: in
0: Sonic. I I have another one, I have another one for you, another one, uh, morsels of endorphins. That's, that's an interesting visualization. I'm telling you, this album is all about the visuals. And yeah. I think that's a good place to go on to this single. The, the, well, at least one, of the, one of the two big singles. Birth, Birth and in
2: reverse. reverse was one of the more interesting content uh, expositions on the album because it was the description of an individual who has
0: found the new information society. <laughs> I disagree with that. Just a little bit. That's the thing. This song in particular, it's even more singly or more poppy than the first track. Uh, it exploded in particular, you, this, this song in particular. It's in commercials now, it's, it's playing on radios all over the place, and with good reason. It is outstandingly catchy. The lyrics themselves, like you're saying, the lyrics, they're great too, but I don't want to overanalyze them. Almost just because of their very nature, because I think these are more like anti-lyrics than anything else. No. From the verse to the chorus. Now listen. It's all, oh, what an ordinary day. Tack out the garbage. Masturbate. I'm holding for the laugh. The dogs will bark. Let them bark. The birds will cry. Let them cro- let 'em cry. Here's my report from the edge. What's she going to report at this point? Nothing has happened. And I think that she's no, aware no, of this. And it's the wonderful irony. This is
2: the so- society that we've created with the information age. She's looking at the real world and seeing nothing. And being... ...enamored with nothing because
0: everything is now online. Well, that's why I just disagree just, just with you on the point with that it's any kind of new... Well, I don't think we're really quite at the online business right here. I think it's, it's more that there's nothing quite to say.
2: No, the, the chorus, like a birth in reverse, what I saw through the blinds... ...you could say that I'm saying phenomenal lies...
0: Oh, you gotta read it in the meter entity. here. Like a birth in reverse when I saw through the blinds, you could say that I'm saying phenomenal lies. On the cosmic eternity party line was a birth in reverse in America. First of all, j- just from a poetic, rhythmic standpoint, that is great writing. Yes. Yes. Even without even looking at the words.
2: Yes. <laughs> just... But the whole thing is, it is describing the not destruction, but decreation of
0: America. Ah, uh, it, yes. In a sense, in yes. a sense. No, no, I'll, I'll go with you a little bit there. But there's a reason I didn't want to over, overanalyze these lyrics, nope. because this is the thing. No, is my favorite part of this album, This is, is that. the thing. Oh, the lyric, no, no, uh, I mean the lyrics, particularly in this song. Lyrics later in the album, we will, def- we will definitely analyze. We'll get to that. But at this point, when you consider the birth in reverse, of course, that's death, essentially. It's her no. way of putting death. No, yeah it is. It's not destruction, it's decreation. No, it's death because I saw an interview she said it was death. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry I shot you down there. But it's true. Birth in reverse. It's just a quirky way of saying death. It's the way
1: it pu- she puts it at least. And while I know that you guys are going back and forth about constructing or deconstructing the lyrics, I really want to take a moment to focus on the music here. I'm going to get to it. I'm going to get to it in just a second here. Really? Stealing my thunder? First time I actually want to talk about the music first and have points to make? How about... All right, all right.
0: We'll trade. Go
2: for it. How about the the heavy levels of, of distortion used on the actual instrumentation I found to be extremely beautiful in this song. And... The guitar interludes were just pure enjoyment for me. That's the biggest part. The guitar interludes, of course. That was the most beautiful aspect of it. She's a guitarist
1: at heart, so I had to, you know, I'm glad I got that. And yes, and I agree with that, but I hadn't even gotten to that yet because this is a point in the song. This song is the first point in the album where I wanted to reach into my computer and pull out the drum machine and make out with it. That's a (laughs) little bit difficult because the speed it was going at, you probably would have lost the lip. (laughs) probably but 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 you really get a sense of how and and it's to what you were speaking about in the first track she knows what to do with this music and even though it's complicated it's not cluttered and uncomprehendable in fact sometimes it's complex in its simplicity (laughs) and and the way that these beats are looping and integrating together makes for a great rhythm that at its base is still not that Complicated. It's what she does. No, with it's really she not. The, the,
0: there's not a lot of complication. It, actually, it's really only at the end that we get a, quite a bit of complication. I'm going to get to that in a second. But this is what I'm talking about. See, there's so no much more to say about the lyric about the music here than the lyrics because it's almost like when you just look at that sing, simple chorus, it's as if she's saying at the end of the day, what does it all mean? It's it's like it's like she's taking these lyrics and it's some kind of metatextual commentary on how lyrical filler actually works. Like, you could say that I'm saying Phenomenal Lies, the Cosmic Eternity Party Line, this is some kind of conference call, sort of, that everyone's talking, everyone's trying to discuss lyrics, and all of a sudden, it's just, you know what, there's really well, nothing the to say. It's like, it's like she's just saying, you know what, I wrote this cool single, so I take these lyrics to mean shut up and enjoy the music. Well, there's nothing, and well, I can, and I
1: love that there's nothing. She, she's aware of it, and I can see that. And the the fact that you know she says um, the 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 lyric about lies, the fact, the idea that these pop stars who are creating songs that are essentially spewing crap, and there's actually a direct reference to that. There's a song by Nickelback that they did ages ago that was one of their biggest hits, Rockstar, Star," oh, where fuck? they sing about doing all of these things: drugs, fights parties all that stuff and the biggest flack they got besides for being Nickelback was that they wrote a lot of song after that song came out it came out that they didn't actually do a lot of that stuff they wrote about they just wrote about it and it was this huge thing about well where's that line like if you're not writing a personal experience is it okay to write about these ridiculous things that are happening but not actually any of it be true so that That, that actually does and that kind of of a line reminds me of that exact situation which is unique to a lot of pop songs, actually. Linking it up with a
0: Nickelback song. That's a that's a long way to go for you to make me believe that that was kind of on the nose. Wow. Uh, it, Nickelback almost discredits the entire argument. I mean, <laughs> that's the thing. Like pulled, that's all I, I wanted to out. say. I will, the fact that he was able to do that is The just very
2: a... first time I think Nickelback has been useful in the last, like, say, five years. For sure. If five. Or longer.
0: Uh, <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Let's focus on the <laughs> bass, because I want to talk about bass it's a it's like a synth that you kind of get. It's like a sine wave style bass synth throughout this track. And I think it also gave it this unique edge. Um which you might, you know, say that that's the bit of complexity there, just because it's not this typical bass
1: groove. Instead it's this pulsating back and forth kind it's of bass. It's almost vibrating. Like you can feel this bass line, this rhythm of the song. It,
2: vibrating is a word that comes up a lot in this album. Everything yeah. is distorted. Everything is Touched, with it's with tangible something. almost. But it's the yeah. point.
0: No, it's the point that you, it, it's distorted, ubiquitously,
1: so you accept it. Yeah, throughout. But it does make all of the chords, e- almost each note, feel like you could pluck it right out of the air. That's one I felt about this
0: bass. Actually, I feel like it it punches almost past the common pop brand, I guess, of of catchiness, <laughs> because it had a catchiness, you know, to itself. Didn't feel like it was it was fitting into anything in particular. But another thing, just just to speak about this this track as a whole here, I think it was a really expertly blended pop structure with this sort of alt alternative stylization. And uh, that really culminates uh, with the breakdown. I mean, I, you get it throughout, with these little electronic dance rhythms that's sort of peppered, you know, with these funky guitar interludes and everything. But the breakdown at the end is what I really feel I need to kind of break down here. From hammering on, like, every eighth note throughout the whole entire song, everything is just pulled back to this one kick drum on the second beat. So you drop the drum machine, and you just get that single kick drum, second beat. It's an upbeat, while the chorus still rings out that line, America. But it doesn't fade. It just cuts after only a measure. So the the texture is sort of reduced, with the only constant just being this pulsating bass synth. And then you feel, realize that the real feature of this section, of course, is the guitar, which just repeats this short little broken phrase that expands piece by piece until the full riff is realized with this full-on funk-tastic breakdown once the, drum, the, the drums really like pick up alongside that. And the subtlety with how that's done, with how the breakdown just sort of sneaks up on you, is a result of that, that little deception from shifting the kick drum to such an odd place in measure, that upbeat. So for the midst of it, you lose all sense of time. And I thought that was brilliant. I, too, concur. The outro was awesome. It's something that was actually... I had
2: to do it, you know? I know. I know. Too cool. Too cool. It was pretty pretty amazing. Uh, it started off as a degenerate. But like a good friend, who you know is just a little bit touched in the head and turns into just a, an incredible experience. It is one of the most interesting parts of the entire album, to be frank. I found it to be... Uh, what really actually cemented the the um, music arc for me. To actually cement the music as to be more than just a curiosity or entertaining, but to really, really start speaking to me. Because the first, first two songs as a whole, I've heard similar things. Not in the same setting, but in, in places like Electronica in chip music in a a variety of different ways this has for me just had a very familiar feel this outro really really changed it for me though that's that's where i it cemented my love of this
0: album interesting i i'm curious about that that part referred to referred to as a degenerate. Kind it of contrasting was, no, my that, really on-the-nose description of the no, outro no, no, with your abstract metaphors?
2: It's really... It's just incredibly difficult to follow. It's uh, unsettling. It's... So many different things well, at see, once. Well, see,
0: that's why I said you sort of lose yourself and uh, you lose sense of time through it. But it's not that it's not difficult to follow. In fact, I lose myself in it because I'm just following. I'm not trying to keep... Like, no. Everything else, it's just so structured. You're going to feel the one, two, three, four. And then all of a sudden, that, it, it's it's... It's deception.
2: It's not... No, that's what I'm, it's that's what I'm saying. It's always 4 That's the word itself. It never leaves Deception. It. Yeah. It's both deceptive and unsettling, it's and a, th- that just comes together
0: beautifully. I wouldn't I wouldn't personally say unsettling, but you know what? The, we've I, we've I used like, that word in, like in the, the, unsettling in the nature. positive concept many, the, many times. The little bit scary nature. And this begins what I like to call the little golden trio of this album, uh, tracks 3, 4, and 5, which I think are, are, are an amazing... Well, I can't say pair, even I have to say trio because they're just. I, I've never. It's so rare that I hear three songs that are this awesome back to back and this unique from one another. So we get Prince Johnny for track three, which it really is one of my all time favorites here. It starts with just a little tinny backbeat, sort of overlaid with a thick but constant synth choir that never leaves, it's present throughout. And the con- this choir, for the most part, just a series of block chords. That's when everything is open. You don't really get those density in the intervals. You just, it's block chords. It's open, honest, bare, even exposed, kind of like the lyrics themselves, which, when combined with the slow, gorgeous melody that accompanies it, really cuts through
1: me like a knife. Well, that's what makes the song, I think, so solid. I had track three that, you know, she brings it down a little bit. She slows it down a little but it's really those beautiful lyrics that carry the song. I mean, her melodies and how she sings are gorgeous to begin with. But that on top of the breath- breathy synth chorus, as well as these beautiful lyrics, I mean, that's what really locks it in. I mean, John, yeah. what was your favorite set of lyrics from this song? I know everybody else
2: seemed to like uh, one section, but my most telling lyrics for me was But honey, don't make, don't mistake my affection for another spit-and-penny-style redemption. I just love the visualization there.
0: Well, that, that, that's got, I mean, again, from just a writing perspective, that's got, like, alliteration all over it, mixes the meter, That's it's, it's great writing in of itself, what, before you even get into the meaning, which I'm about to get into right now. I, I found this to be a grippingly woeful tale of a friend of the speaker who simply wants to feel complete or to belong, you know, in in that vein, which I suppose on my part is a really cliche way of simplifying something that all of us deal with on a daily basis, some more than others, but I, and I'm sure I'm not alone here, I I I, intensely identified with this uh, Prince Johnny character.
1: Well, the thing about also this idea of this Prince Johnny, this guy who wants to be royalty among people, yet is just trying to fit in. See,
0: well, that's the thing, I didn't necessarily see
1: it, well, you know, royalty, is, I
0: suppose, amongst your own idea of what royalty is, which well, is well, why, I, I sort of saw, just the idea of referring to him as a as a prince, combined with Johnny, because you know how you get King John? Yeah. It's like there's a little bit of a diminished quality there, you bring it down to prince, and John is just Johnny. It's, I, I feel like it's just the sense that he's missing something. It doesn't have to be royalty, I mean, royalty is just a nice way of putting it, it's nice, it's a nice um, a metaphor to accompany it, but it, it's just something is missing, which could apply to absolutely any one of us. Because the way the lyrics here are mostly tales of of the good times, they're mostly tales of uh, of ever, all the things you want to remember. I mean, just considering uh, <laughs> remember the time we went and snorted that piece of the Berlin Wall that you'd extorted. This is this is everything you want to remember about a person, and yet nothing that that. He or they can focus on themselves because they will always be trapped in this dark cloud that hovers over their head you just can't pull them free the word is malaise malaise is the is the exact word
1: described. and I think that's something that everyone can identify is with is that that one friend or more who is just just can't get out of that funk and you watch them slowly destroy themselves and it's it's never easy it's probably harder than self-destruction, just because, you know, being, power, being, I feel anyway, powerlessness is one of my greatest fears, and it's almost unbearable. Oh, it's, it gets even more
0: unbearable. But that's the thing. For the majority of this, it's telling of the good times. The verses tell of the good times. Everything seems sort of normal on the exterior. And then we get the chorus, and this is where I think it got me. Poof. The cry is, saw you pray to all. To make you a real boy, this sort of silent misery, just the idea of picturing someone praying almost on the verge of sobbing, and this is this is relevant within the music itself the The climax specifically in that line, for all its simplicity is the, one of the most beautiful sounds I've heard in months. Those block chords they move from the home of just G major to A minor, the second or the ninth for that key, and then while the choir rings out a minor, she sings this climax of the line saw you pray to all, stressing that word and fluctuating on it from B to A, B to A, D to B, B to A, like spasms from sobbing. And again, I just pictured someone praying and sobbing to all, that word choice there, as if praying to no one in particular. Like no one can help him, powerlessness, as you said. And it
1: filled me with tears by proxy. And, and what made that moment even more powerful is shortly after that moment, we hit a point around the middle of the song, around 2 minutes and 45 seconds, where for just a brief moment, I think no more than 5 seconds, if even that long, everything drops out. Or just about everything. I think just there was a line of sound, but from all the cacophony that was going on to have this impact, emotional impact, she drops most of it out. Later on, there's a dropout that's complete silence. But here, most of the instruments drop out, and then come back in, and it lasts a few seconds. It
2: was it was an amazing. But mix of silence. It so was so
1: precise, and that's something I'm gonna say a lot about this album. Is that it may be catchy, like a lot of pop music is, but it's also so precise in her execution of where she places the instruments. When she removes them and how she mixes them. And that's what really makes it stand out. Agreed, and this song is a it, shining example. It,
0: it gave me a bit of an image that I had considered even just the first time I listened to this. I consider, you know, even before I had even really, really thought about, you know, what is going through this Prince Johnny's head, that, that sense of, that, that use of silence had me sort of consider suicide. Which is the ultimate
1: powerlessness. Right. The idea that someone takes their own life when there's that's, nothing you can do about it. That's
0: just me theorizing here, but it's right. the, it's what I got. I mean, especially considering honestly, the, the wailing that you get in that chorus, the sobbing. You know, it seems like some kind of very tragic result.
1: And truthfully, and, and we can talk about this more in great in detail later, like when you brought up earlier that she had said that something meant something, even if that's the case, even if that silence that she put in this song meant X and you felt Y, Y is what it is. Because that's what you felt. Good Who cares it. what her message was? What you felt is key. That's true. And um, I, I still say that, of
0: course, that's, I mean, I think in it almost has the climax of the album for me within that chorus, though. the The way she fluctuates that word all. It's, it, I, this is what music can do, essentially. This is the peak of what it can do. This is just, what just heard? in in the, uh, in the meandering around those notes, and this is one of the reasons why I talk theory here a little bit, because just in in those notes, just the top that A minor seven chord gives it gives it the effect of a ninth and eleventh, because she's singing the ninth and eleventh of that chord. So, as I said, we're already sort of in a ninth, technically in relation to home anyway, after moving from the verse. So there's just this constant elevation, stacking ninths on top of ninths, and then finally to the eleventh. And I, I, I do love those upper partials, as I've confessed earlier. And this is like the, the uh, expert use of it. All on top of block chords, I mean, it's very honest. And I just have one more thing to say about this song, considering you mentioned it earlier, the bass. The bass is is, is almost nondescript for like the first verse, because it just takes the back seat. It, it's sort of an accent for the backbeat. It, it's, it's punchy, but in the chorus, it it takes on sort of a funky role, mm-hmm. so you get funk on top of this profound sadness, which I think really fits in perfectly to that quote of hers: "A party album that you'd play at a funeral," because I could
1: jam to this, I could cry to this, and I could jam to it, which I did, and there at are, my piano. <laughs> and there are moments in this album where that happens again. There's not a loss of funk in this record. There are moments of funk smattered throughout all of it. Yeah, it's almost like I want to use that as the superseding um, uh, genre funk uh you yeah. i i would i would talk out of that just because i feel like there's so many elements i feel like pop is the best way to describe it in the actual meaning of pop that it's a popular music that pulls from a little bit of everything
0: yeah right. there's too You're much right there's so
2: many influences of classic rock 80s hair metal there's we get that later but punk, we only actually get it a couple times there's yeah but it's it's it loses a lot. There's of There's smattering of
1: instrumentation, with the other stuff that applies to multiple genres. But speaking of multiple genres, actually, <laughs> track four is something that did that had been done that I, I, I was kind of actually legitimately caught off guard, and I'd been caught off guard already a couple of times on this record. But this song starts with I have wrote almost, but it's not almost. After talking to Steve, it starts with a very distinct hip hop influenced beat. Yeah, it's a straight up backbeat. I mean, there's backbeats even since the
0: beginning of this album, but this is definitely hip hop influenced. But uh, and very so, engrossing, actually.
1: And and you would think <laughs> right hearing a beat like this to start a song that it would go into some kind of spoken word or spoken lyric, but no, she comes in with a smooth smooth melody that harmonically. I don't even know how to describe it, but it just it resonates so powerfully over this very hip hop beat. The dissonance, that's what I was looking for. The dissonance is what's really polarizing and engrossing about the beginning of the song. And it's just started, and you get all of this. Oh, yeah. It gets it hits the ground running. This is going to... I mean, I, one of the reasons
0: for this, of course, once we get into the lyrics here, which I think are some of the most brilliant, alongside, I mean, as if anything could have topped those lyrics from Prince Johnny, this at least matches it to me. And uh, it, it, again, hit really, really close to home for me. I'm going to describe this simply by isolating a single line here. Oh, it was a lonely, lonely winter. That's essentially the core of the song. Because when you look at everything else she's describing, it is snapshots of the internet. It is alone with yourself and a computer, something that would have been really, really foreign to anybody 20 years ago, but now it's kind of a common... It's almost uh, ubiquitous. it, It is definitely ubiquitous. This is... This is the way modern society deals with, uh, deals with repression, deals with inward thinking, um, introversion. This is essentially it. And and the the, the imagery here: feelings, flashcards. No, and, you're saying it wrong.
2: Feelings, flashcards. Oh, excuse me. Fake knives, <laughs> real ketchup. This is a. very Oh yeah, everything. Important, everything is a pair. Everything is very a very important. Cardboard cutthroats. This... This is some of the most visceral lyrics I've heard in... Probably easily since the heist. Easily since the heist. Mm. It is... A description of... The faux society... The information age has created. It is very simple musically. But... Captures that 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 kind of uh flitty back and forth kind of a nature
0: of internet browsing. Yeah. Of getting into a gotta click here, gotta click here, kind well, it's, of. It's mentality. different aspects of the internet. This Feelings, the, flashcards, yeah, the, I immediately think emoticon. Exactly. It's, it's it's a simplistic it's, way of deplay- of displaying something that by all rights should be the most complicated thing we can possibly convey as a human being. Our emotions. The kind of thing we could never really program into AI. And instead, we're using bits and
1: bytes to convey it for us. But when you think about we're it. we're incapable I- of doing it ourselves. The idea of an emoticon and the fact that we thought that emotions were the most complicated thing yet well made emoticons that are, have some kind of graphic <laughs> image actually very well convey over the internet what someone's feeling at a very basic, specific level. Yet, That's a flashcard, though. Yes. Yeah.
2: Yet, exactly. They're still. Hello. saying lol on the internet. Yes, someone is complimenting you on saying something funny, yet, hearing someone laughing at a joke is immensely different and immensely more satisfying. Absolutely, Agreed. the key to this song because it's a it's almost like a three part piece is after we get our repetition of Oh, it was a lonely, lonely winter. There is such a destructive tonal shift that, in essence, belies the entire faux society that the first part of the song is creating and presenting it to you. With entombed in the shrine of zeros and ones, you know, you know. With fatherless features, you motherless creatures, you know. In perpetual night. Oh, it's terribly frightening, you know. You know that that just gives to me so much imagery of the anonymity, the uh, the well. I, I, the, mean, I need the, to the rewind the fact of of what the internet uh, the internet allows people to do.
0: I need to rewind to your word "destructive" because. Destructive tonal shift is the words you. Not destructive you so as in destroying, chose.
2: and not destroying the actual music, but creating something that was
0: flirty and turning into something dangerous. That's kind of where I disagree a little bit. I think this was actually going from something that was, a, in a despair sort of or a kind of journal that you would write out of despair, and it went into something that was almost a. Uh, an ironic celebration, especially considering the tone was almost that of a gospel. Oh, I'm skipping a whole section. Oh, you're skipping a lot. I'm skipping a, a whole section by, by jumping into this final. with well, this is a thing. This this song is essentially two songs almost. It's yeah. divided between a distinct part A and part B. So I want to I want to rewind to part A a little bit and immerse myself into this sort of this this song of despair again, see, which I, which again still, is 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 highlighted that. by that line. Uh, Oh, it was a lonely, lonely winter. This is the thing. This song rings true to me, of course, and it rings true true to a lot of people. There's some people that can do this, that can sink into this kind of internet immersion for months and months on end, and do it not even think about it, because that's how how we are sort of training, I guess I used to accept it, or no one's really doing anything about it. It just happened, and that's really all you can say. But that's the thing, I'm I'm used to being a little more of a social person, but then again, I did this in a sense this winter, probably for the first time in my life, just sort of removed, and of course what's left? Well, the internet. It can be kind of deadening. Really deadening. That's the thing we always we, we all have our reasons to retreat into ourselves, at least for a while. Uh, but it's essentially paralysis. And it's a little bit deceptive these days because the internet can make you feel involved. It can make you feel as if yeah oh yeah, you know, you're in touch with the news. You're in touch with everything else, this is the kind of thing though that, that when Emily Dickinson did this herself back in like the late 19th century, people started to think she was a little bit nuts. <laughs> but now we can do it and get away with it these days because of a thing called the internet. Well, I think that's fascinating how she explores, uh, you know, cowboys of information. All of it, it's just it's running to us. We don't have to go out and seek it; we receive it. We don't get
1: up for hours. Well, and that's and what things that exact exacerbate that is social media, for sure. (laughs) Exactly, because it makes you feel. It's in the name, social media. You feel social using it, and to a point, you are. And it's great for people who are great distances from you, but when you're reading status updates from people who are ten blocks from you, and you could just be having conversation with them instead, there's that dissonance and that almost separation factor that you're talking about.
0: Yeah, but I mean, especially, John pointed out from the very outset that these are visceral lyrics. And I do want to break down, I mean, a little bit of this. Just to this is what you see. A cardboard, well, no, first, fake knife, real ketchup. A fake knife, like a plastic knife, nothing that can harm you. Think about all of the, all the anger that's out there in the internet. Nothing, none of it does anything. You can be, you can be a real asshole on the internet, and yet, you're not going to be reprimanded for it at all. No one can ever raise their fist and say, I'm going to punch you as a result. Uh, exactly that anonymity, real ketchup. As, oh well, at least I can, at least I can order ketchup and have it sent to my door. No, <laughs> it's just, no, that's more
2: of adding
0: flavor. Yeah, yeah, you know, there's any number of ways you can yeah. interpret this. And or cardboard r- cutthroats is one of the things that that doesn't even cardboard, relate. Yeah, I, the idea of a cardboard cutthroat is something that so flimsy. Yeah, and yet it could probably work. Well, the idea yeah, that you have to do it well, just right it's,
2: I think it might even lend to the way she says this line cardboard cutthroat it's flimsy and really unsubstantial when you are fighting against it yet hurts can hurt
1: deep when you're yeah. when, when you're crapped on on the internet it can actually be very very painful <laughs> because I mean, there's this level true. of anonymity and you're being attacked by someone who doesn't even know anything about you. Yeah. But these, of
0: th- course, are all just snapshots of the kind of experiences that you get, which she explores, and I love the fact that she explores that, um, which is why it's really appropriate to place this over a, a hip-hop backbeat. It's, it's, it's spoken word at this point. It's, it's real emphasis on, on objectifying the elements... And and turning them into meta- metaphors of their own. One of my favorite lines, I think, apart from "Oh, it was a lonely, lonely winter," is "pleasure dot 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 Newton." All of the extremes that you can just get. Oh, uh, I want to be pleasured. Oh, I want to be. I want to be self-deprecating now. Let me read about something really really horrific like just no. just for take example this this week for instance i was kind of immersed in the internet this week just because of the recent thing with malaysia flight 370 it's a it i personally find it fascinating the fact that a a plane can just disappear from any from from nowhere yeah so it's i of course i'm you know trying to keep updated being an internet whore going from one site to another reading on all the updates and it leads you to from one thing to the other you're going from reading legitimate articles to to reading about uh a history of aviation, or previous flight accidents, and everything, and at some point you just a, that's you're just a lost. Effect. Very it's simply, a wiki hopping effect, exactly. Going
1: down the rabbit hole. That's it. That's it. It's just the fact and that you can click from one link to another, to another, to another, and just go down the rabbit hole.
0: I even uh, I even came to a point where I built a paper airplane, and I had to remind myself how to build a paper airplane. Wiki how told me that. Yeah. It's been been, been so many years uh, since I did that.
2: This is why I never click links in Wikipedia.
0: Oh. You don't. You can't relate then. You can't relate. You don't know what it's like. Well, I know what it's like. It's good though. It's really good that you don't know uh, what it's like. There
2: is actually a subculture that has risen in Asia and most prevalent in Japan and South Korea of they call them the lost youth. That's one of the terms I've heard of the, about it. It is individuals in society, the younger children, uh, growing up to be adults now, that stopped existing for society because of the amount of time they spend on the Internet. Interesting. These are individuals that do nothing but blog and type and talk to one another and one-up one another. And uh, even further, nowadays... I've actually seen a few reports about individuals uh, committing suicide over such simple things as being trolled or being um, proven wrong about a Wikipedia article. Like, it's getting to be a legitimate
0: epidemic uh, of what's going on with, with youth. I'm not surprised. And there's a the flightiness within this I mean we're spending a lot a lot of time on this, but there's really a lot to say about this song above all others on this album um of course there's some things that are really right in the nose here fuckless pawn sharks toothless but got a big bark that's that's really the essence of of um of anonymity through the internet, internet toothless trawls. toothless, but got a big bark and I also just you know uh, the way in which she says that it's 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 quirky in of itself, toothless but got a big bar. It's again that use of uh, use of meter and shortness that she applies to almost every. It, it gives meaning to every single word. Another one uh, that was interesting. So uh, on the rise of this particular phrase, because I do want to get into the music here uh, and off the lyrics a little bit. But first, one line. So hail bop, hail Mary, hail Hagia Sophia. Anyone who knows hail bop is? Um, anyone familiar with that? Of course, it's a comet. But it was the comet that actually inspired uh, the whole Heaven's Gate cult and everything. Yes. So uh, putting that right alongside Hail Mary, Hail Hagia You Sophia, it, 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 this is just information at this point. It, it carries no weight. It carries no meaning when you lump them all together. It, Heaven's Gate, I mean, Heaven's Gate is to one person what Hail Mary is to another, and then just lump it all into the building, well, Hagia Sophia. Go, I mean, the song is Hell entitled, the object.
2: The song is entitled Huey Newton. Huey P. Newton, one of the original founders, founders of the of Black, the Black Panthers, Panthers, yes. But you put him with pleasure. Loathing. I mean, it devalues everything in there. And yet, at the same time, if you go to that website, you know there's going to be there, there's a website for that now. That's is. the thing.
0: Well, of course. But that's the thing. I mean, once you that that is the essential. That is wiki hopping right there. You're hopping from one to the next. It's almost as if it doesn't really fuel. You with any kind of in, innate uh, desire to follow through on any one of these things because you're, it's just they all don't, at once. It, it doesn't matter because it just doesn't. It's just. <laughs> well, there's no time spent on either one individually. You can't immerse yourself in I either one. I know there's one. a word for that insatiable link clicking. I know there's a word. Oh, there's definitely a. Well. We also, call it an addiction to information.
1: And with all this talk about the lyrics and their importance, which they yes, have I want to get the, impact, the music right now. There's there's a moment in this song where we've had some great guitar riffs and some playing in the song previously, and there was a great hip hop beat to start. But what really knocked my socks off with this song, even over the lyrics, and I love the lyrics, was the guitar shredding solo that is in this song. There's a shred on this guitar that rivals some of the best metal bands I've heard. It's just... It's one of those things to just kind of really bring this song home. You know,
0: that was in the B section, and the funny thing is that I was almost more involved in the A section. Of course, I do think that that B section, the reason it, it sounds sort of gospel-y, but that 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 is a perfect uh, a base with which to have your, your heavy uh, guitar solos you're shredding on top of, because many metal bands have done that. Either case, I kind of like the mystery of part A. just a little bit more than I liked the uh the the build up because it wasn't really a build up. Remember it's a dramatic shift as you said from from part A to part yeah. B. Uh but part A is much more graceful in my opinion because oh, as I said it's 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 entrenched in that despair. And the what you get alongside that uh, the, the two build ups in fact to Oh it was a lonely lonely winter. First, it it's it's downright defeatist. The first time it's it's iterated, or actually no, it was um, excuse me, pleasure dot loathing dot dot and right there she ends on the seventh, and that was one of the moments where I felt other utterly defeatist within this, as if she's just right there in the, in the thick of it, can't escape. Kind of similar to the previous song, Prince Johnny, and then when it finally builds up, uh, to oh, it was a lonely, lonely winter, it was. Very, just in the chordal shifts, it started to get very, very involved. Before finally, sort of giving way to some kind of euphoria, which led into the B section, of the gospel section. And that's very odd how that turned, and I'm, I'm, I don't even necessarily have an answer for why this occurred.
1: I think it's just to further support this idea of the randomness and. Polarizing effect of the internet and the culture
0: around it. That could be one reason. I, I I was leaning a little bit more toward um, toward giving yourself away to addiction. Okay, I like can the see first that one, too. there's misery and there's despair, and then finally, in the last section, it's acceptance. It's it's acceptance and uh, and immersion. Complacency. Complacency, exactly. Uh, well, we would love to talk about this song all day, but unfortunately. We're we right. have some semblance of a time limit on this thing.
1: Um so let's let's mosey on over to track five then, which is actually quite heavily connected to this theme. Actually I feel the more that I we talk about it that these three songs are pretty sharply interconnected tonally if not more. Um <laughs> Digital Witness is track five. Um one of the first things I wrote is Sax equals sex. I think what I was trying to say... People say that in everything, though. Yes. I think what I was trying to say, though, is that these saxophones were so... just so hyper-focused, but so well-placed and well-played that it wasn't like a fleeting, here's a saxophone for the sake of it, to give it a little flair, and then you won't see it again. These were present throughout a good chunk of the track, and they start in the intro. See, that's why that that sax
0: equals sex thing is almost... It, it it's odd because then I think of of all the other, almost cheesy, displays of saxophone work. Yeah, that, kind of stuff you'd get from. Mm, uh, Kenny, no, that, Kenny, no, no, no. Keep going with Kenny that because that's right. Here, but this is it's totally different. This no, isn't, this is it's using not. sax and saxes in a different way. No, no. I actually thought she was going for cheesy on purpose.
2: I because ah, no, looked, I didn't get cheesy here at not all. Not cheesy, just kind of tropey tropey for a saxophone. Oh, I disagree with that fiercely. No, I don't mean that she... It sounds tropey. I think she was using them because of the way saxophone is usually viewed as a sexy instrument, because that's the first thing Matt wrote down. But...
0: People think of it as, as the kind it's of solo-oriented
2: stuff, though. No, no, a, it's, 80s soul. No, no. no. Here's, my, here's my explanation. It's used here during the verses. The verses uh, primarily. And it's about... The song is about... Uh, The character displaying herself to the world of the online. And it's supposed to be kind of sexy, but more importantly, kind of cheap. And while the sex is really, really good, it does give that kind of um, an emotional feel for me.
0: Yeah, I interpret this a little bit differently, especially considering just the basic pre-course here. People turn the TV on, looks just like a window. People turn the TV on, looks just like a window, eventually culminating in... People turn the TV out. they throw it out the window. This is actually a pretty good release from the previous song, uh, especially if you compare the TV at all through the internet, which it's very easy to do. It was sort of the last generation's um, immersion and Addiction introversion. Box. exactly. But here, I, you know, I had an interesting experience with this song. I, I was exposed to it a little bit earlier uh, than I actually was exposed to the album. A uh, friend Amanda had actually shared it with me. Because And I was sort of amused by it at first. You wanted to know just based on, oh, what, what, what do I think of um, of St. Vincent based on this one song? Which is just one way to represent this album of, of a variety of extremes. But that's the thing. I, I was definitely into it, but I resolved not to really immerse myself into it until the album. And I do think the context of the album makes it a little bit better when you consider uh, the meaning behind those lyrics now. Uh, since then, I've been thoroughly addicted to this. I, fun little fact... Pretty sure it's in Mixolydian here. I know I like to stress those little modes, and this one is. I stress that because the main riff here of this song is, is those saxes that sort of hammer on the B-flat before resolving to C major, which is odd. You get that, that seventh as opposed to, I mean, flat seventh, excuse me, instead of just a seventh. So it, it's a fairly carefree major feel because Mixolydian is so close to major, but then with just that little flat seven added, that gives it sort of the essence of this song's quirkiness. Just a little bit off from feeling entirely major, entirely happy. But it's those saxes that really drive it. They're, this feels David Byrne-influenced. And I say Absolutely. that just because of the fact that, of course, she toured with him for the past year. I left that out in my uh, in my um, intro. But it's very important, and I think she was quoted as saying she derived a lot of influence from him in fact i wouldn't even be surprised if it wasn't him with his entourage coming along to do this one little spot and maybe didn't get mentioned as a featured guest but of course that's just conjecture it's awesome yeah i
1: mean what really makes this song come together is that the bass groove along with the way the lyrics are framed and the saxophone all really wrap up the track really nicely but the one line that really got me lyrically on this song, I actually wrote down the lyric, is how she repeats, give me all of your mind. And it's this <laughs> idea that when watching The Idiot Box or some equivalent of it, it's like it's pulling your intelligence away. Give and me that's all where of your you, mind. And
0: that's exactly the spot where you get that sort of hypnosis in, in these steady, short, staccato uh, Sax ensembles yeah. that hammer out on that B flat before finally returning to the C. You know, just repeat short, and I can see, I can just picture, especially as a composer here, I could see her just sitting down, sorting out these little rhythms on paper and having fun with the rests here and there, the space here and there, all those little staccatos, sorting out where everything goes. It's like you said, Matt. This is very meticulous in the yeah. way it's put together. There's no Precise. accidents
1: anywhere over this. And this was. Probably by far my favorite song, and that's tough to say on this record. It really is. But something about the construction of this song, plus the lyrics, plus the dancey beat, plus the sexy sax, really solidified it as one of my favorites, for yes,
0: sure. Say I still do disagree, because sexy was
1: not the word that I I, I used to describe it. But it, you know what? It, it's not that the sax was, it was sexy. It very danceable. The, it's not that the, sex, the, sax, the sax was sexy itself. The sentence is made to be hard to say. Yes. It was more the fact that I equate really enjoyable, purely euphoric stuff as sex. Oh, alright, then I get you. Yeah. Alright. Like, this food is sex in my mouth. That kind of idea that this saxophone was sex to my ears.
0: Yeah, I do something similar, but at some point I feel like I need to cater to an audience that is not always thinking about sex. I'd say, hey, you know what? It's different. But, um,. No, I, it's 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 very addictive. I guess sex can be addicting. For sure. I
2: I want to say one big thing and that is the impact that Huey Newton and Digital Witness have together. With Huey Newton, it's it it decries the the segregation of man from each other. And Digital Witness even goes further to just it talks about the Separation of man from mankind, where we're becoming less social creatures, where we're becoming individualistic, which is not a bad thing, but super individualistic, where we only can can interact and achieve self achieve worth through external forces, where we can only truly be alive when we're living a life of choosing. Presented in a digital medium, and this is one of the most impactful things I've ever come across. Because of that, it's it's that combination of the I, I, it's it's so it's it's kind of ineffable for me. It's the combination of the Huey Newton just pure information overload that the internet gives us to the mind-numbing ideas presented in digital witness. That just shows both sides the the frantic nature and the numbing nature, and how neither are truly productive for society, neither neither are truly worthwhile, both are just pure leeches on on the lifeblood of what what it is to be a person,
0: yeah, I mean I, I think a lot of that was was. Uh, we ran through in, in Huey Newton. I, I, I still am on the side of the fence that this song is somewhat more of a release from that, considering uh, no. how it turns back on itself with the final line. People turn the TV on and throw it out the window. That's not the final line. No, uh, the final the final twist on it. After finally after all yeah. the times of saying it no. looks just like a window, finally that's, that's the whole throw thing. it out the window. That's the whole thing. Be done with it. The
2: way it's followed up with... I care but I don't care. Oh I want all of your mind. Give me all of your mind. And that repetition, as Storm was saying. And then the final verse of Digital Witness, what's the point of even sleeping? If I can't show it, if you can't see me, what's the point of doing anything?
0: Alright, then I'll put it to you. What 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 do you what is your take on the um throw it out the window? That's a it, very pointed turn. But it's and a it, very if bre- anything,
2: it could even be an illusion towards the fact that now we have it our TVs in our pockets.
0: Okay, that's not bad. Now sure. I'll consider that. Seriously, considering we just went through Huey Newton, uh, Huey Newton that's a funny, uh, a funny point to actually follow up a song that discusses modernity with a song that's talking about the ditching of the old. But think about how many times you yourself have been just up late because you're hooked
2: on a new drama or comedy and you're going through it and you're on Netflix and you just eh, I'll watch one more episode. Or you're on YouTube, I'll watch one more video. Or you're on such and such and you're like, oh, I'll just I'll see one more dancing cat or the motivational poster or this, that, or the other. Yeah, thing. I'm not
0: proposing there was too much emphasis here, uh, placed on on, on song organiza- or track organization within this. It's I I would perceive this as, as if that was truly the reason I would perceive this as as perhaps maybe should have preceded Huey Luton Huey Newton. No, <laughs> but, no. Um,
2: I'd like the fact that it is the opposite. A nice homage. Love, uh,
0: yeah. The, you know, uh, you know what I, what's also two? good about that is that means you can look back on it and kind of laugh. Ha! <laughs> the TV. And that's kind of what this song is doing front to back, which was what makes it so enjoyable. Some kind of dance to honor the era of the TV. Yeah. And this mind-sucking
2: leech that's yeah. starting to get further from our lives yet hasn't really gone anywhere because... We replaced it with the computer and the internet and all that stuff and all la la exactly, There's a exactly, lot cetera, to go into here.
0: Well, that's a funny thing though. But what I do have to because say because of
2: these two songs that I
0: am now a true believer in Saint Vincent. It's a wonderful pair and as I said, a wonderful trio because uh, even even though Prince Johnny is a little bit off on a different front, it 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 the lyrical weight there is of the same exact quality, which is what makes this such an amazing trio. And we'll be getting into other stuff here, but oh, of what a to put those three songs back to back really hikes this album up very, very highly, in my opinion. But I do have to say one thing, and that is emphasis on lyrics as opposed to music. And we do have those little twists, because I even remember back in episode 51 when we reviewed God Sticks, and one of your only little gripes was that I'm so focused on on the music that you, you had a hard time almost just. You kind of almost didn't care here and there, like what the lyrics were saying, because the music was just at the forefront. And I, and I take your point there. I almost like lyrics that are in that vein, but it, 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 it goes back and forth on this album. It's not so much like that's the entire album here. Oh, we're getting the best this of both album, worlds here. We're getting the best of both worlds? No, only in a few songs. But I actually would argue that, and in, in this song in particular, it's a lot more Godsticks oriented, because in this song. I care a little bit more about the music to be honest i'm so en- engrossed with that with that sax riff and no. i almost want to say same thing is a little bit similar with birth in reverse which is why i said i didn't want to analyze the lyrics too closely but of course we went and did it anyway because that's what no, we do for the
2: last, from from birth in reverse to digital witness i uh listened to these tracks multiple times and I I could take either side in that case. Focusing on the lyrics or focusing on
0: the music. Yeah, well, it's just more like once you pull back. I don't care
2: which one I'm focusing on. Like, I guarantee you, back with
0: Godsticks, it's like, well, once you pull back and then read the lyrics themselves, yeah, all right, you're going to find something. Um, But, yes, I I still think the music is a little bit more important in a few of these songs, except perhaps Prince Johnny um, and and Huey Newton. But uh, now we're returning, I think, more to... Focus on the intricacies. Focus on the on the music, on the quirkiness. It's really more the personality of this album. It's more the soul, in my opinion. Uh, this next song is it, a funny one because it gives a little bit of both. Because you're bound to be caught by at least one line, and that line is the title itself. So the track I prefer is, your love. Yes, yeah, track six to Jesus. Yeah. So the, the the
1: tri- title is called I Prefer Your Love, but in the very opening line, you know, it's melodically sang. I prefer your love to Jesus. Is
0: there any other way to sing something except melodically?
1: Yes. Yes, actually, there is. There, there is. There I know But, but the thing about that line is this is one of those songs where as she's starting to sing, you're going, oh, this is sweet. And then she says to Jesus, and you go, well, now you have my attention.
2: Well, the whole thing that, and that's where I'm going to just, I'm just going to say something bad here. I think that line was specifically to catch your attention. Oh, yeah. That's, I agree. No, I agree. But that's. The problem is, it's not delivering on the implications of, it I prefer doesn't. your love to Jesus. Yeah, it doesn't it at doesn't, all. It's it not making some sort of negative connotation here, because what the song
0: is about is, Mom. Yeah, it's not and, It's not a religion attacking song, as you would... Have. Yeah, I actually caught, um, in another, yet another interview, someone actually put the, put the um, paper right up there and, and asked her, point blank... You know what, what's your take on this song? Because we all know what 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 we want to think, I suppose, about it after after hearing a line like like I prefer your love to Jesus, because it kind of brings back that John Lennon thing, and that that was mentioned in the thing, you know, we're bigger than Jesus and everything, and that's yeah. not at all what's going on here, no. not even the, close.
2: I gotta call her out on this. I I think that's a little disingenuous. Oh no, I disagree. First time I, I heard disagree this, a lot. no, completely. First time I heard this song. I thought I was getting something with that line I thought I was getting something completely different. I was it, so quickly emotionally just going for that, and it completely changed and first time I heard the song, I was disappointed but see
0: I was happy about I, that. Was, me I was I was very happy I, I don't like songs that you know go because you would almost om- if it actually went down that route that route, it would almost border on. I'm trying to think of a, of, of a nice way to put it. But there's really no
1: nice way of putting it. because It's not relevant here because it's not would, what she's doing. <laughs> she would completely unravel her previous statements and themes if she did that here. Because, that is true. Because if she, if that I prefer your love to Jesus became a troll fest about bashing a religion, it would be exactly what she's fighting against in the other songs on the internet. Precisely. Because while I am not religious, when people get on the internet and go, if... Anyone who's this religion, everybody who's this religion is a moron, need to be dragged out in the street and shot. It's That's not the case. It's a case-by-case case basis. The fact that she's saying, I prefer your love to Jesus, she's simply making a point about her relig- her personal religious views, and that her love. No, for... No, it's not even that. It's a song about unconditional love. Right.
0: And it's very simple. That's the thing. Of course, anyone who knows, you know, like hardcore Christians, of course, yeah, they Jesus is on the pedestal. So to to place something above religion, it's it's, it's a focus on the worldly. Yeah. On the what you can, you know, the the tangible in our lives. Of course, that's a thing for some people. It's a it's a perception of tangible, but it's 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 always unreachable, even for people that are deeply religious. It always is something that you you want to approach, but you can never quite approach because miracles don't exactly happen to people all the time. It's often something you have to wait till the moment of 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 birth and reverse in order to 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 fully realize. So this. It's just a song about the worldly experience of it's it. It's just a I, I, I sweet, like the metaphor, beautiful. and I do agree with you, John, on one point, and that is, yes, it is, it is an attention grabber, which, yeah. it's not that it's just disingenuous, but it is a, a, a reach out, hey, look at me, like, this song is going to be a little bit, um, you know, off the cuff. Yeah. Except, it's, musically, it's, it's exactly what you would expect for
2: a love song to your mother. It's exactly what you would expect. Um, I was not surprised by anything, and up until this point, I was getting surprised every thirty seconds in these songs. I was not well, surprised that's rare by though. a
0: single aspect. It's rare for an album, and that's the thing. I don't. I like. Yeah, it's worth noting. It's worth noting. There's a reason why I called the previous three the golden trio, and why I did not include this in that trio. So yes, I agree with you kind of on a certain level here, but I still think there's a lot to be had from this song, and also its use of synth there's a thing there i i see how you'd see it as perhaps a little cliche in some regard but there's a, a style to the mini moog use throughout this album that's very of this album
2: yes yeah. no i will agree with that it's still a beautiful song and it still has just really heartfelt lines that i kind of wish i could say to my mom it's touching tart- yeah. that, that i could come up with myself with, yeah with the ending line before it goes into the final verse a uh, final uh final chorus but all the good in me is because of you, it's true. Like that right there. It's sweet, it's touching,
0: it's to the point. There's also a little bit of, there's some dark twists in this song. Uh, even some harmonies that I was a little un- unable to identify when I, uh, when I first did my little quick um, listen and compare session here. But th- yeah, there's some mystery in it. Uh, even just in the first chord where she starts singing there's just this this depth there within the the chord play on what yes would otherwise perhaps be a very uh generic eighties style synth, but it's those twists that really make it and give it personality and then on top of that, let's talk about a little bit of the way she sings as opposed to what she's singing. It almost seemed a little ad libbed in the song just because you get this sway that almost perpetuates the same hip-hop feel that you got back in Huey Newton. And in this particular case, the sway is almost more rap-like. The way in which the, uh, certain lines here, there's a meter there where she's in between the beats, not exactly falling on it. Or if she it is, it's this very loose triplet or quadruplet kind of thing. It's, it's, it's all over the place a little bit in the way she sings. See? And that darkness contrasts it. I'd rather like that.
1: I'd say it's looser, but improv, uh, improvisational. I don't know that I'd go that far. No,
0: that, that's it's just a, a, it's a way of me putting because it's it's somewhere in between. It doesn't feel it, as it,
1: precise as other things were on the record, as calculated and to the point. There was a little give and go here.
0: Yeah, ad, ad-, 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 ad- lib is not the right word at all. There's a, there's a word that would go with some kind of. Beat poetry. There's an supposedly. ebb and of course, flow. Not even, not even. But beat poetry itself, of course, has sort of, or fine, for lack of a better term, we'll use it, ebb and flow to it, yeah. or just flow. That's usually the yeah. word they use for any rap. And it's there's a flow here that is looser. and That's all I'm trying to get at, which makes yes. it's another point of of uniqueness. Perhaps not to the same extreme degrees as we got in the previous songs, but it's I, I kind of needed a breather at this point.
1: No, yeah, and it, I felt it was a appreciated breather. And this is also where you really get a, uh, a different kind of beat work to a point as well, because the tinny drum sound that the drum machine has emulated, since it's not actually a tinny drum, but that hollowness, really sells the airiness and the breathiness of this song. But giving it that kind of slightly dark Tone you were talking about, yeah, that questionable
0: tone that comes and goes, and you get some other interesting things, like alongside that synth, you also get there's this cello, which is really, really uh provides this deep undertones very of, well that's that's what it does, but of course that's unique for the album here' because we haven't gotten that yet, yeah, our bass has been driven by electronic <laughs> who's a
1: what's Its and, and now all of a sudden <laughs> it's a lot more acoustical and and that's <laughs> another thing about this album is that there are a lot of moments that you get. Once it's yeah. not saturated throughout the entire record, and it comes up again later that's it, but essentially it's a crooner kind
0: of song. It's almost similar to like what we got back in goldfrap uh or at least based on the album Tales of Us at least that particular brand of goldfrap, but uh, maybe perhaps because I hear the same maturity here in her voice as I did back with Alice and Goldfrap. yeah,
1: definitely, I can see that um. And what I really like about the next track is the contrast to this previous track that we're discussing, Regret, track seven, is the first time you really get a rock beat. Um, it, it, it's not clearly and divine, definably rock, modern rock, but it has elements of it. It's got this harsh, rough sound. The chords are a lot more aggressive than they'd been before. Um, but completely and totally polarized by the angelic choruses that are sung over parts of this harsh, rough guitar tone. You
0: know, if, if this was adjacent to those other three tr- tracks, I, I would almost call this a golden quadruplet. Yeah. <laughs> because, um, and again, that's not to say anything negative about the previous song, but I think it it, it makes you treat uh, that track as more of an interlude or an intermission for the album here, because all of a sudden we roar back with Regret, which is a masterpiece unto itself. Uh Almost Dirty Projectors influenced. At least that was something that I noted here. Made me wonder whether they ever collaborated because it really sounds similar to uh, Dirty Projectors' album *Bit to Orca*, or at least that it has that same heaviness that you just talked about. That 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 really overbearing beat, and and a sort of synth instrumental yes. that you kind of get alongside that, <laughs> and you get it in little little moments. Um, where where the lyrics completely pull out, also. This, this instrumental that moves in, in a series of... Um, well, after first hammering on this single melody, or the single riff, then it starts to broaden it a little bit by duplicating it, perhaps, in octaves, and then finally it, it develops to the point where it's moving in sixths, which is this, this really cool interval. Same exact riff, but that's the thing. Then it pulls right back. That was the instrumental itself, and then it pulls right back. We don't really get that again in the album, so it's again one of these one-shots. The
1: album is littered with one-shots. But I, th- I really like that it does that. It's unique. A lot of albums, if there's a theme or a sound, it gets done to death in some records. And the fact that they just give a little, just enough to whet your appetite, and then move on to the next
0: thing. True, or another thing we tend to encounter is the case where we receive... A bit part that isn't related to anything at all which unfortunately doesn't you don't treat that kind of thing as being something unique and uh, and fulfilling and surprising instead you treat it as like a what the hell just happened everything here is intertwined with the music and yet still it's it's surprises within a within a method of kind
1: yes I agree completely and this is also a song where at the almost the exact moment in this song as in previously mentioned the 240-ish mark, I didn't write it down precisely, but around the 240-ish mark, there's silence again. But this silence is way more impact- impactful than the last one. It's for the same brief four or five second period, but this time, complete silence. Everything I, cuts out.
0: I can't verify if, if that's the same part, but there's, there's There's a lot of really unique build-ups in this song, and one of them, uh, there's... um this part where sort of chaos starts to settle in. And it, it could be just just uh, that silence could be what just follows this. Chaos yeah. settles in and it's like there's this phasing sound again, that sine wave effect going back and forth, phasing like in and out of time. And then
1: there, there could be that silence right at that particular moment. It was. And, and that silence dropout is more impactful this time because pure quiet is just as as impactful as volume. And the fact that she removes everything... For four seconds, which on a record is an eternity sometimes, is really what really got my attention in this song. That
0: in itself was preceded, I think, by a really, really intense bridge, which was another moment of euphoric beauty. Um, I'm afraid of heaven because I can't stand the heights. I'm afraid of you because I can't be left behind. Just words aside, the melody at that particular moment, combined with that phasing in the background was was phenomenal.
2: No. Because it's sort of a... words
0: aside, you're not shoving these words aside because that's one of the most beautiful make lines Make way the for the album. music, man. You got no, it. No, that's
2: one of the most amazing lines on
0: this I would argue, I would argue to death and that just, it is caused by the melody alone and that's why you think no, so. No, purely the words. I'm afraid of heaven
2: because I can't stand the heights. It's great line. It is beautiful. a great line. Of course it's great.
0: Or regret the words i've bitten more than the ones i ever said but here's the thing this is part of our little battle here i uh, you're claiming that i'm pushing the words aside i'm claiming you're pushing the words aside i think the melody is fueling your 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 love of these words on a subconscious level i truly do think that
2: this is an incredibly lyric uh lyrically simplistic song it really does not have much
0: words but they are short, sweet, to the point, and gripping. This is why we talk about this stuff, though, so separately. Really, you have to talk about how they work together. Because, you know, again, one of the reasons you might think that about a lot of these other lyrics is because, at least in the in the mini in, in these verse sections, where you're sort of just in the thick of it, and, and the words are just happening over all this heavy synth, it, it can be a little bit overbearing. Because you're just kind of lost in the beat. You could almost say anything to that and get away with it.
2: But what's being said is just so impactual. I think it, it the words themselves and her vocals, which throughout the entire album are just stellar, and that goes as unsaid. You could just keep pretending I'm repeating that. Summer is as faded as a lone cicada call. Memories so bright, I gotta squint just to recall. The imagery here is... It's phenomenal. I can. I don't need music to feel emotions in those words. I don't. Those are just beautiful, beautiful lines. Beautiful, I don't beautiful particularly things.
0: need it either, but I think it. It together it there makes is a re- one of the there mo- is a reason why I highlighted the "I'm Afraid of Heaven" line as opposed to the "Summer's Faded" line, and that's because of the music. And That's the power that it has.
2: I will say that in here we got both of the best of both worlds. That's the ultimate climax of the song, yes. essentially. And this song, I think, meshes both the lyrics and the music together, and in this case, you can't take one without the other. Probably they're, not, They're really. integral in hitting the heights, because Regret is just aptly named, it is a personification of an emotion. But I can't
0: stand the heights. I'm afraid of heaven. Ah, oh, boo-hoo. <laughs>
2: Get over it. <laughs> uh. But it this, this is a really just, this is an emotional, uh, uh, this is a personification of an emotion, and that's something that is always hard to do. We talked about it before with the flashcards. It's hard to just create something as ubiquitous as regret
0: and put it in a song. This does it. Yeah, but who is the one animal all by yourself? All of us. All of us. Who is the one animal? Who is I, the I one animal? They are separate. Yes. Yes. Well, the words just lump it, all right? <laughs> that's why lyrics... This is why words cannot always do it justice. Otherwise, this would have been written in a poetic fashion. The music is what makes it. And that's really what she does as an artist. I'm really glad that she's as good of a poet as she is a composer. Which brings me to... Bring Me Your Love. Another really, really loves. interesting...
1: I believe it's plural.
0: Love. Yes, it is. Yeah, yes, plural. you're right. It's plural. There's bring Me Your Loves. Me. I thought it might have said uh, Bring Me Your Love as the title, but then in the, in the lyrics, oh, it's definitely Bring Me Your Loves. They are... And this is we are a multitude.
2: This is where the composition is going to be shining ahead of the lyrics, because this was this was for me a little bit, a little bit sad in that respect. We well, yeah. And this but, was a
1: rhythm, rhythm, rhythm heavy track. Right, but that was I think the goal from the get is it was more about the rhythm and the implication in the rhythm and the emotion in the rhythm than the words being said. Again, how it, how it's sung versus what is said. Exactly, and that's where, the choice
2: of lyrics was actually lends to that, because while not mindless, they were a little bit numbing in that respect, so you were better able to focus upon
0: the really, really awesome Electronica beat that's going on here. Okay, I have a callback. Back back to track two, the other single, Birth and Reverse, when I noted at the very, very end of that track how everything sort of starts to unravel because of the, you lose your, your your place in that particular breakdown you lose your sense of time at that my degenerate moment. outro yes as whatever whatever we need to identify you know Oh yeah. i gotta have my metaphors and then here we get something surprisingly similar and that's when all the instruments pull out especially i think it wasn't it was barely even there in the beginning but the first time you get that full bring me your loves all of your loves your loves i want to love them too you know it's acapella you yeah. don't get a beat alongside it, so again, you lose your sense of time. This is an expert use of a little thing called hemiola, which I've described to you before, where you're slightly off the beat, uh, sort of evading the measure a little bit. So that way you can't feel it in that same, like, one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four, like you should, because you're somewhere in you don't quite know, you don't have the frame of reference, you don't have the beat to tell you, so it, you can just take it as some glorious acapella uh, display. And that's it. But of course, once you add the beat, it makes a lot of sense. It's really, really cool. Bring me your loves, all your loves, your loves. I want to love them too, you know. All in 4-4. Four, four. It's deception, and I just love that. Exactly like what occurred there, which seems she's also an expert at, or at least in, artistic, uh, in an artistic fashion. A lot of people can do it from a technical fashion,
1: but to put it in a song really tastefully like that, great. And this is a song also where, instrumentally, we get something we haven't heard before. And though this instrument, on its basis level, is fairly simple and used everywhere almost, here, because it's not featured anywhere else, and it's a great accent to the already fantastic beat work that's become ubiquitous with this record, the tambourine in this track really focuses out the rest of the song.
0: You yeah, know, it's funny you 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 mentioned that tambourine. He loves this tambourine. You mentioned that earlier, and I was He's, just like, that's cool. But, you know, that that I would probably I argue is more, of a, is more of a timekeeper than anything else. No, like, it's no, not I so see. much a reach out. Actually, I see it as more as an exclamation point than a timekeeper. It does a great job of accenting. Accent. Well, yeah, it's a, the but job of
2: accenting. the instrument. And but that's, but what
1: that's, I, that's what I said.
2: I don't, but, the very fact, it's, it's not a timekeeper. It's not a tick. It's not a clock. It's not... It doesn't give the illusion of passage of time or anything like that. It's a punctuation mark. It is, you know, but, uh, exclamation, We have exclamation. gone off
1: on tangents before. I never thought I would break down a tambourine. But it also comes and goes. It's not always in the forefront keeping that rhythm. Sometimes it is blended within the rest of the rising chord work. And that's why I think it's what it's That's what fair. It does. I mean, as I, I, much as I love this song, I,
0: I, I, can't, I can't think of a song. I didn't know. No, I, c- I can't think of a song that ever didn't use a tambourine in that fashion, though. That's the problem.
1: Yes, but she's not using it we constantly it out on this album. By the Beatles. I don't a think... lot of people who use tam- really tambourine oh, okay. work, or if they have someone just devoted to the tambourine, it's everywhere, and it's used for that same reason. Here, it's used in this song to help keep time and bring together the rhythm, and then it vanishes for the rest of the record. Alright, duly
0: noted. I will make a little star expert use of tambourine back to uh, <laughs> some content. <laughs> there's um, there's a another interesting point where this song starts to unravel in, in, a, in a way that no other song previous in this album has. Granted, we do get these drastically different sections, although perhaps no other song has done that quite the same as Huey Newton, where it's just a part A, part B. This one is more of a sort of a ternary form. We get like an ABA kind of thing. We just pull back briefly, and that was more toward the part of, I thought you were like a dog, I thought we're, you were like a dog, but you made a pet of me. I think it was more the second time we get introduced to this, because alongside that, very different tonality than anywhere else, the song or the album. You sort of get a diminished triad, uh, broken between the melody, uh, in what's sort of a vocal solo, but it's so it works almost against the home key here, that it, it makes this song into uh, a very it's a very odd thing. I can't really describe what it's doing for the sake of the album, but it seems like it's going down the rabbit hole a little bit. There's madness within this.
2: I'm pretty sure there's madness throughout this entire album. Like I, I... not
0: to this degree. Not diminished triad kind of madness. No, I'm pretty
2: sure. I'm pretty sure <laughs> we, ate, we ate the mushroom that made us tiny a long time ago. If we're talking about rabbit holes, man. Yeah, I'm but not you.
1: all the songs go down that rabbit hole. They really do Some don't. of them are very face value and sincere. The mom love song and the f- falling apart friend are both very face value. And, Huey knew and, and I Huey would knew argue that uh,
2: that uh, track three, Prince Johnny, is not as Face forward as you think it is, though I'm still trying to formulate my idea on that one. It's definitely as face forward as we think it is. No, I don't think so. Yeah, it is. No, I don't <laughs> think so. Um, well, let me speak th- up then. <laughs> because I can't articulate that one very well. Lovely. But uh, there's something ineffable about that one in, the, in, in, in just the vocal and lyrical combination that I can't find anywhere else. But anyway, I'll refer to you to an interview to ease your mind. No, do you see, they, they make
0: the music, but artists don't get any say in how it's interpreted. <laughs> Let's be frank, they don't. If we ever want St. Vincent to like, like us on Facebook, <laughs> I think he would just
1: wrote it off. That's not true at all, actually. John's right. Once they release the art... We interpret it however the hell we yeah, want. Yeah, too damn bad, it's man. Our music now.
0: No, that's true. But you, of course, there will be answers. Yes. At, at the end of the day, it can be said exactly what was going through their head. At Correct. A time. But your interpretation can still be yours, regardless of their meaning. All right. Fair enough. At least it, I, it's more like what you take away from it will always be yours. Yeah. That's that's a different thing, though. Yeah. I Interpretations used to... do kind of come to a head a little at, at some point. Um, or it's more like, well, that was an unexpected but pleasing result, that kind of thing. <laughs> Probably. The 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 thank you for that deadpan. I'm all about the deadpan, man.
1: I, I notice. Uh, Did you speak- have
0: something else you wanted to say about this song? I feel Not like you were getting to it. No. Okay.
1: All right. Well, nine. then let's hit hit track nine. Yeah. Hit hard into psychopath. I don't want to hit that hard. So psychopath is a song that from the get sounds very '80s and also very David Byrne influenced. I'd say, or even beyond David Byrne, as far as '80s go, um, it you know it had it, it kind of hits you with a punch, but it you know it's got the sweeping chorus that we've heard before. It's got a beautiful melody, but that's again ubiquitous at this point. She's got beautiful melodies in every song at this point.
2: I wasn't even really impressed with the melodies, the chorus. Any uh, this was this let let me I, this let me down. I was not very happy with this song. It is definitely the low point on the album for me.
0: I kind of... Di-
2: I well, no, I kind of agree with you. There's a there's, lot of there's... repetition that we weren't. I wasn't really expecting. I expect, yes, a nice steady beat, but I expect layering and
0: playful changes and all sorts of things done to it. This is the only track on this album that I could ever come close to describing as filler. Uh, it does seem like sort of a placeholder, Mainly because it's got the bare bones components, I mean it's still it's got the same pep, the same uh the same franticness, but then again, not even really frantic because it's just a very very steady beat, so steady in fact that you you just kind of
1: zone out for a little while this track but was, that's not to sneeze at this track was more cookie cutter than the previous um but that said, I mean. Again, we're John saying it's the low point of the album, but the low point is still a high point comparatively to just about any other pop song written. No.
2: now. this song I really didn't like. This song is an actual low point for me. I, I kind of I just zoned out. I there just... was nothing lyrically. There's the vocals are really the best part of this, and I got vocals like this throughout the entire
0: album. I'll meet you halfway. I'll go somewhere in the middle there. That's exactly what halfway
1: means. Yes, yeah, this thanks. is
2: just this is just. A, <laughs> This is just a standard or deadpan, song. Like a deadpan.
1: I, see, I still feel that this, as standard as you're describing it, it still leaps and bounds better than other crap that we've listened to.
2: Yes, but I'm not saying crap standard. As far as pop goes, yes, this is a magnificent pop song, but... magnificent. That's like, that's, that's the booby prize here.
1: Yeah, but my point is that it's still good. It's not great. It's not excellent. <laughs> well, this oh, is a no, good.
0: nothing argument. Yeah, we're just I've going heard back one. And forth. Yeah, this one. Uh, eh. I'll, I'll 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 note certain little things here, especially there's there's more of a familiarity with this song, uh, more of a less Saint Vincent, less of her personality in this. I think we've heard some other things here that we could say, all right, all right, that's a little bit '80s ish, and then we're like, wait a second, that that's that's yeah. her very unique take on it. But this particular one. I mean, it almost reminds me of something legit, especially the the little interlude just between um, between the lines. So I'm standing in the sand where we said, it's the best day of my life, and meant all of it. And before we then go to keep me on your soft sights, the chorus, when all the rest have moved on. It's still very, very sweet. I'll keep you in my soft sights when all uh, the crowd has gone home. When they, start, when they double home. what I think is the chorus. No, no, it's a distinct chorus. There's no question about it here. But... It, it contrasts the, just because it reminds me so closely of something I can't even put my finger on. It, it contrasts the uniqueness of this album just but, a little bit, but because point, it, it is more so, and I do hesitate to say more of a generic pop. Yeah, and that's where we, we've said it a lot of times with a lot of a lot of different songs. Too
2: little, too late. This this was already. That's
0: not relevant quite here because no no
2: no. When it goes into the choruses. This is just... You're it, that point. Of- I'm oh, oh, already okay, too, too little too late for the
1: within, song. Within the
2: just For complex. the song itself, it's just, it's just, it's just not
0: enough. Yeah, because the verses just kind of trudge a bit. But it's still got a tone that I can listen to. It's not anything that oh, I no, dislike. My like. ears ain't bleeding. I mean, it's still... Like I said, her vocals are still her yeah. vocals. All this is just compared to the rest of the album. So let's go to Every Tier Disappears, which, again, there's some comparisons that could be had here. I found this to be more of an indie-sounding track, or at least the quirkier side of indie. Quirky is the word of the day. This
1: track was definitely hands-down quirky. I mean, the album was, but this track for sure. This This was just eccentric for me. And it was a very unique mix, too. I mean, she's done a lot of unique things with mixing on the whole album, obviously with her composition background, but this is where it really... Borderlines on the far out quirky unique mixing, but um, it, the reason no, come on, for that's not that, enough centers, man its
2: it's <laughs> the pausing, it's the bridges between the vocals that are really where that exotic sound biting is happening, and I'm going to call it sound biting here, because it's quirky for just to be quirky. I it, it doesn't go anywhere with it, and that's that's was was disappointing because. There were some really, really interesting 5 to 15 second things going on, but they they felt like they were just being put there instead of being grown there. It didn't feel organic.
0: Um I am yet again somewhere in the middle with this. I rather liked this track, but I'm not as anywhere near as head over heels uh, to it as I was in the opener, but I think that's going to be apparent from the moment I finished saying the Golden Trio. Uh it lacked the punch that was present in so
2: much else of this album. It, because it didn't really expand upon the nature of those sound bites. Look, I know the sound bites you're talking about. Do, 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 no, no. Do, do, yeah, do, that's do, one of them. There's so many of them. It's in between every vocal section.
0: I hope that was under five seconds. I really don't want to be sued.
1: Yeah. I cannot afford that. And sculpture. someone needs to pay attention some, before we can get sued. Some very sultry
0: <laughs> vocal
2: work. This is some of the most. The, the sultry, erotic kind of vocal she's doing on this album. but Erotic was a funny
1: word
2: to use. I'm in love with her this... voice in this song.
0: This song like, particularly, I, huh? This
2: woman's voice. I wish the voice could be personified. But
0: see, that could be gathered. I mentioned that at the very beginning, you know, back in Rattlesnake, which you were a little hesitant on, but I thought the breathiness in that was downright erotic. Here, Here's where I truly feel it. Alright, point it
2: out. It's got a catchy beat, all right? It's got these things, but they're not coming together. There's no punch. There's no hook.
0: I thought you were going to give me a precise line. like No, no, no. No, no okay. Presi-
2: Well, okay. Um, <laughs> okay. It actually starts with, oh, a smile is more than showing teeth. And it went full, if you're going to talk rabbit hole, this was just that personification of the Cheshire Cat and the way she sings it and that slightly dangerous nature in the vocal, in the lyrics with that, that alluring nature in her voice.
0: Beautiful. Yeah, fair enough. I, you know what? There's something about the end of this album, especially eh, you could take or leave a psychopath. Cause I think we're all fairly on in line with that. But as of this particular track, I was more accepting, I think of these odd sound bites because it felt like the album was unraveling. I and agree. I felt like this was a very dis, uh, distinct intention.
1: Yeah, it was supposed to give this kind of dissonance as if things were kind of coming apart at the seams.
0: Cognitive dissonance. I ain't
1: gonna gonna argue that because I, I agree with you here. But at the same
2: time, I want a great song, as well as a great album,
0: and... I've had enough of it, though. No. I was really... Like, I think I had everything I could possibly take away in terms of the greats as of the middle of this album. Oh, forget that. It could be a more. time to explore, honestly. Well. And I, I, I like that, because this is what we got back, and and this is a very appropriate comparison. Uh, they Might Be Giants, episode 38. that The whole remainder of that album was essentially exploring and unraveling itself when it began. This is doing something very, very similar. It reached its climaxes, and then it just... Falls away, and you I remember my
2: issues of the sound bites was the fact that they were so jarring and short. I did not find it jarring. Going back to that point,
1: mo- I I appreciate no, no, the was fact my,
2: that was my issue with they might be giants. He's saying that his here.
1: problem with the end of this album is the same problem he has the end of and of they might be giants. If you're going to explore, I go deep. If you if you don't just you yes, know, I'm all right,
0: well, I, I want depth. That's, that's one interpretation. I'm just saying there was a conclusion that I came to back at. They Might Be Giants, which was that those five-second shorts or ten seconds, however long they were, a series of little shorties and one-shots, they were refreshing because I I rarely see that on an album. On an album scale, normally a filler is is a, a filler, but instead, they chose that that spot to explore. It's almost like a preview of what we could potentially do, and I think that's not to be sneezed at as far as its place on an album. I think this is something very, very, di- uh, very similar, except just different in the fact that it's within the confines of a song, playing around with structure or a little bit, or what you perceive to be related and not, because it still, and in my I, opinion, is. And as, I'm in very much inclined to agree with Steve. And I still have the same issues from They
2: Might Be Giants. I want. If you're going to try, if you're going to explore go deep. Pick an idea, go
1: deep. John's don't, essentially John. saying, all right, so John's essentially saying, polar opposite. John, John's essentially saying he's really gritty and want, greedy and wants awesome all the time, which is fine.
2: No. I, all right,
1: you're greedy, I'm gritty.
2: No, no, no. In this case, it's, it really boils down to you got these great ideas. Don't give me a tease. You got a great idea? Do something
1: with it. Maybe that's what I'm saying. Do something with it. I even disagree more mentioning it that way. I believe that there's a great place for good tease, and good tease is better than getting the whole shebang sometimes. I agree. Yes. So I think this is a good place to move into our conclusionary track of the record, track 11, Severed, Crossed Fingers. Say it like that because it's a very visceral title, complemented, or in conjunction with, very visceral... Lyrics. You heard it first on Crash Course. Say it exactly like that, the way Matt said it. The, 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 this song is is I mean, for many reasons a great closer to the record, but precisely because of the way that this title, without even hearing the track, you get such a clear picture of what to come, and the lyrics don't disappoint. They follow through with, and they're they're sung in a way that's almost finalized. But also, kind of, Steve said, it had this kind of slightly demented tone. Oh, it
0: did. This is the thing. This track has what you'd almost perceive to be a slightly... Even a little bit more of a generic backdrop than a couple of the early ones, and again that's that's intentional irony right there when combated against some of these lyrics here, such as the chorus itself, spitting our guts from their gears, draining our spleen over years, found my severed crossed fingers in the rubble there but there's a problem, and you're not saying like she says it and and
2: and it's so sweet and so endearing when she says it. That it's, it just belies the entire visceral nature of the words she's saying. It's so beautiful. I, I, I have no idea how to feel about this song.
1: That's the point. That's exactly I the think point. That's I why. love that. I love that. I think it's, that's it why it's visceral in the words, but it, it's not in so many other ways. And But I think that's why it's visceral is the fact that it's almost gross, but not because of how sweet it's sung. And you take that and also what really makes these lyrics pop is this the first time, probably on most, if not the entire record, where we get a classic drum drum like this is not a machine. Pretty sure it's an actual drum set here. Yeah, and it's, it's playing. It's one of the only places classic on the album. rock drums, and it just it makes those lyrics pop even
0: more it's with your, this rhythm. It's your anthem, and I think I mean there's there's some it's, things you would almost want to compare that it's, it's the quintessential anthem. You could compare this to any to any. Song that has that really prolonged outro. Just picture the backdrop for this <laughs> song played over any other outro. Because you would see this as a sort of outro. It is the, it is the last song. So the yeah. whole song can be treated as a kind of outro. But yeah, the, just that, that split, that juxtaposition between uh, the lyrics and the music. I mean, the, the, it's, I, I see it especially within this line here. The truth is ugly. Well, I feel ugly too it's that's
2: it's, it it's 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 not even just the duality there's a three-part nature there's the candor and sweetness in her voice the visceral nature of the of the lyrics and the the i put it as dreamlike neurosis of the music that's that's a very good way to put it and yeah. each of them are just they come together to create something that really is kind of unique hmm. um just in in in.
0: I love how we can just we can come up with all these. I, I'm sure all of us have had our 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 moment to shine today. Of like, ah, oh, that's a really really good way to describe this. And then once we put it all together, it combines to create something that is good, unique, it's... cool, well, awesome. Adjectives are failing me in this in this review.
2: <laughs> that's why we should Kid just tidbits. I can describe, but it, it, on a macro layer level, this. Album you is, need to take the George Costanza
0: route and walk out in a high note and just say your awesome descriptive line and just leave. Leave the show. That that's when you
1: hit your climax. Like this album is doing. Hmm. Oh wow! I don't. Uh, nice wow. segue. Do you are you gonna roll out on it? No, I will not roll out on it. Because we allowed oh, the chooser I to wait. reserve the right.
0: All right. Well, John, why don't you take us into our oh, a wrap up? Oh, I didn't want to do that. Fine.
2: I wanted to get Matt's idea and then rip off of it. Of this album is it started Interesting. No, no. It started Do you really
1: want mine to base off of I'll No, start.
2: if I keep if I keep getting interrupted, then yeah, sure, you can go. But if you guys would just shut up, I'll do it. It started as a curiosity. It gave me something refreshing and new coupled with a very familiar idea. It it presented pop with attitude. It presented a a Pops kind of story with the slanting of a more mature tale. It evolves very quickly and very dramatically into something that really is gorgeous that is just full of this part's amazing for this reason, that part's amazing for that reason. And when they come together in certain instances, it, it hits climaxes that every artist would really wants to look for. At the same time, it's not all rising. It's not all highs. There's, there are low points in this album that keep it from becoming a penultimate idea, a, a monstrosity of masterpieces. But there's just everything. like The worst parts, and as we were saying, the worst part is, in my opinion, Psychopath. It's still a three. It's still a very average, run-of-the-mill pretty darn good pop song. And it's dramatically lower than everything else on the album. Even the issues I have with, and I got issues with Rattlesnake, I got issues with Every Tear Disappears. I I I don't see how uh, the song I Prefer Your Love really fits into the theme work that's going on here with the instrumentation. But I understand that this album is all about just being candid And being out there. And she's presenting herself. St. Vincent. That's why it's self-titled. This is her. Um, I respect that. I really, really enjoy it. It's a a solid four. And this is where I'm going to start getting nitpicky. Musically above the rest. Vocally, I love it. Lyrically, beautiful. A couple of low points. I'm going to put this at a 475 this is a really really amazing album that does some really amazing things it's just the low points just keep it from hitting that 4849 near perfection kind of a level
1: let's start at the top and then deconstruct it's a 5 it's a 5 Whew. and here's why so when i rate song albums rather and I rate them based on my rating system. Usually emotion takes the forefront. It's not penultimate where we're going, where music's going. I don't get that high, mighty, hey, high, and about it. Hey,
0: don't, don't knock my line. Forget
1: you. <laughs> but this album, and Steve said it, and after hearing it, I really see it. This is what pop music should be, now and in the future. This is where pop music should be going. It's a, a perfect amalgamation of past, present, and future making where music should be going, and I don't typically rate that way, but this really hit me hard. Now onto the emotion. There's no shortage of emotion in this album. Every track has an emotional connection somewhere, whether it's the music, the lyrics, or both. In the best points, it's both. Lyrically, it's engaging, mind-blowing, and yet even in moments, completely simplistic. The theme is there. this technology age theme is from start to finish. It's there. It runs through it either in the sound or the lyrics or both. The songs that aren't about technology in in their lyrics are alluding to it in its sounds. The ones that don't have the necessary a huge amount of electronic sounds are alluding to it in parts of the lyrics. I would even say just to
0: supplement John's desire to uh. To provide perhaps more meaning to Prince Johnny, that there have been many, many tales of where a person becomes introverted or loses himself within the modern world. I and found I the word for it. I think that is perhaps quite, quite on, on the money.
2: It's actually I found the word for it. I think the song itself is about the hikikomori, which is the millions of adolescent Japanese people who have basically no. They attribute it to be something like Aspergers. Or other uh, deficiencies, yet it actually is not like that. It's just society has done this to them.
0: See, that? no, I, I, I'm i totally on board with that. I just think it could equally be more broad than that. I yeah. think it's the kind of song that could, could apply to any aspect of, of, of incompleteness
1: that you see in yourself mm-hmm. alone. So, that being said, and I'm glad we're in agreement in places... The fact that at the beginning when I said it was catchy and precise still stands. It's catchy, precise, and I think perfect. As far as St. Vincent goes, it's going to be tough to top this hurdle because this is incredible. I I went into an album not knowing what the hell to get from it, and I ended up being blown away by it. I made a comment on the internets on Twitter, I believe, about how I needed a moment because I had to reboot my brain after listening to this. It's just It's got everything that I'm looking for in an album, and and I think that she could teach, with the exception of a few pop artists, a complete lesson on how the hell to write pop music, because this is incredible.
0: (sighs) Of course, as I said, there was a reason I chose the Golden Trio, as I'm nicknaming it, because they just happen to be so back-to-back. I could write term papers, I literally could write term papers on all of the reasons why I love those three songs. I can't so much write a term paper on everything else. Either case, there's still a lot to say, maybe I could write abstracts (laughs) on them. The thing is, and I don't like to dip into expectations too much, because Whatever you expect from St. Vincent, if you're familiar with her work, is sort of irrelevant. She's an artist. She's going to do what she's going to do, Um, at least in terms of the guitar. It's like, all right, yeah, well, she's a great guitarist. She purposely made made the choice to sort of pull that back on the album. Instead, what you get is just repetitive riffs that appear here and there. But I loved it. I loved it for that exact reason. I think shredding on this album would really not have fit. It wouldn't have fit the structure. It is a pop album. It really is at its core because this this is sort of the the line between pop and composition, which we'll be getting into in a few minutes. But, or at least just touch upon it, composition, people see that as some kind of engrossing thing where you have all these different movements but of course you can apply that to pop music you can always apply it to pop music pop music doesn't have to fit what it's been for the last 30 years and I think it's being applied here but it's like I said in the very beginning this album is sort of littered with complexity but it's not plastered in it it's it's the pop structure then when you take that you're going to end up with something that's a little bit split and I think there is a little bit of a split between the earlier half of this album and the later half of this album. The early half is the littered. You have the complexity within that, and it's just so honest that it's bound to be profound, regardless of whether it's pop or not. Did, who knows? It doesn't matter what it had to be, just how, how honest it was. It was going to be great. In the latter half of the album, I felt a little bit of a tapering off. A tapering off where it reduced itself to a more pop. It was pop with personality, which would easily be on above probably any other pop album that we've done. We haven't done too many. And yet this, because she's a composer, has managed to really trumpet really, really high. But that's the thing. There, there, I do kind of agree with John now, uh, after this amount of time, at least at the point that the tapering off does occur... You can enjoy it on a level, but you're not getting that full, breadthy experience in the tail end as you do early on. It boils down to that trio, and, and I would add in regret as the highlights. The rest are good plus. <laughs> so this makes me compare it against just one other album that we reviewed really a long time ago. As Tall as Lions, our third episode. I really, really loved that album, and yet I felt compelled compelled to give it a 4.9 for the sheer fact that it had a slight tapering off somewhere toward the end. Really strong starts, somewhere there was a little bit of a tapering off, where I just enjoyed it, fluidly. Same as I do here. The same time, there's that one little thing, arc. And this is a really, really touchy thing, because it might just make the difference of a slight point. But this is a pop album, again, as I've said. And the arc is within the theme of of losing yourself in the modern world, the electric modern internet age that we live in. That's a theme arc. A music arc is slightly lacking for that exact same reason. It's more like, again, you have to look back to the meaning. You have to look back and say, ah, oh, that's okay, I see what she's ironically doing here at the end. Brilliant but I would have liked that to be tied in with the music just a little bit more but with the blend of what she's doing is absolutely brilliant
1: 4.8 okay
0: so buy
2: it
1: yeah, yeah. buy it no the, choice the, <laughs> yeah the, the short stack of this is absolutely go out and buy this record I don't care who you are how old you are or where you live buy this album write her fan mail but don't be don't be creepy about it they really don't not not like us no, we, she, she'll get a little bit of creepy fan mail. And, yeah. and while I did want to talk a lot about pop music and its influence and mix with com- composition, I feel like this is not something we can squeeze into a few minutes. I, you know, I really want to get your take now, this on it, is a, this No, this is an intro. I
0: really just want to, I want to get just the three of our takes on it, and that'll be it. I okay. want to know where you personally, in your experience, have drawn the line between pop music and something that's composed. Not to say that pop isn't. That's a thing. Do you see a split? Yep, I do. Describe it.
2: I'm pretty sure pop music is produced, and there's a big difference between the word "produced" and "composed." Uh, it is the just the honesty in in what uh, what you get in a, a composed setting. A produced setting is where you can really have multiple people doing it. When, when, when. R. Kelly, Pete Diddy, or whoever's initials you want to start spouting out, does something, and they're a producer, that means they were just hired to fulfill a role. Their job is to just make the beats flow or what have you. It doesn't have to be pop music. It could be all sorts of music. But it's very prevalent in pop. You can exchange them for other individuals. A composer leaves an an undeniable mark upon the music itself. Something that would not be replicatable. That only their imagination can truly capture when creating something. And it's it's that's where I really feel uh, the differences lie.
0: Alright. That's an interesting answer. I, I might, I might re- return to one thing you
1: said later. But uh, Matt? Um, I feel that producers aren't as swappable as John feels they are. A good producer... And a great producer, lead the same kind of market composer does. So I don't agree with that completely, but we can get into that next time. What, what I feel the separation is really, I feel there's a company that really fi- rides a fine line between composition and pop music. They've done it for years. They've done it on their soundtracks. And I think it warrants an analysis deeper to really decide between composition and production, or composition, pop music, and where the separator is, and that's Disney. Disney's released, mm-hmm. scored soundtracks mixed with pomp songs that both sell greatly and are built at a meticulous level. I'm a man, and I, I downloaded Frozen. Well, that man woman has nothing to do with it, and I'll get into that another time. But you touch with your inner child; it's very important. Oh yes. Right. But my point is, is that they really ride that line, and where it goes is not always easy to tell. So that's kind of where I would kind of look to for guidance. That's a, that's a that's really good point. That's a really good point. I like that point. I almost want you to repeat that. Let it's it so snow. good.
2: If you can. Let it snow. It's
0: recorded. They can listen again. Oh, fair enough. Do you want to build a snowman? I'm glad we're getting some uh, variety of answers here because the direction I was going to go with this is that it's more about accessibility. Of course, that, that links very closely to what's produced. But something that is accessible is, of course, something that that the masses will be able to pick up. People, something they'll be able to digest and really take in. Which, of course, there's musical aspects here and there that you could easily just break down what pop music consists of, and that's why we have these these sort of straightforward... Clear cut verse, chorus, oh, here's the bridge, and eh, maybe an instrumental, and then back to verse, chorus, outro. They're just, they are sort of cookie cutter style because it's been very proven. I mean, you have something to sort of engage you lyrically, and then you have something to chant to, the chorus, something that gets stuck in your head, something you take for a while. That's the thing that makes you go back. That's the thing that makes you share it with your friends, and oh, let's say, maybe have them buy it again. That racks up money, so of course it goes back to the producing aspect. But accessibility is at the forefront of their minds, in my opinion. And this is what I was going to go back to with you, John, is that the you, you referred to a composite as something that's composed, something that's more honest, more open. Because it, it is very possible that in a pop setting, you can kind of get away with a little bit of a lie, a little bit. Like, in order to fit a structure, you might have to make some artistic compromises. None of that is necessarily in a composition. Any good composer, of course, isn't so into themselves, though, that they're completely removed from who's going to listen to their music and whatnot. Again, I could rattle off a couple of composers and, hell, even some uh, modern alternative rock bands who go way off on left field. And you know what I can say about them? They are honest. They are speaking from their heart. Some might argue that they're maybe they're being weird for the sake of weird, but they are honest about it. I still feel that like, their personality is inherent. And that, I think, is what, what's uh, the essence of a, a true composer. From the heart, and a little bit more... You're going to end up being a little more meticulous in the process, because you need to get it exactly the way you envisioned it.
1: Well, these are definitely interesting points, and I think something we should definitely come back to and explore, for eh, sure.
0: I just wanted to get a little bit of an overview. We will be returning to this. Because I want to get to the public's perception
1: and not just ours. Yeah, I agree. Um, Why don't you give us our spam mail of the week, and then we will go into what we've got coming up.
0: Wish I had a dime for every bad write-up I... (laughs) It just just stops. (laughs) Bye. Uh, WQ1Y, it's a series He just made of a dime right there too. That was
2: a, that. I love that. That, that was, was good. That was well a done. really good joke. Yeah.
0: Um, and I hate to say that wasn't on a picture though, that was actually on a podcast. Oh, so yeah. could be real if it wasn't an author with a series of letters and numbers.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, next week we've got something special for you guys. I have uh, good friends of mine who run the website um, headoverfeels dot com. Sage Young and Kim Rogers are coming on as guests, but they're doing something a little interesting and different. We've alluded to playlists and mixing and making mixes before, but they created something that were so distraught and heartbroken by the separation of Rose and the Doctor in uh, the earlier seasons of the reboot of Doctor Who that they made a playlist. The playlist started as a handful of tracks and grew and grew and grew until they had a 70-something monster tracks Now we're not reviewing that because that would be nuts but they did submit a sampling of 12 or 13 tracks i don't remember about an hour's worth of those songs the best of the best from this mix they made based on this emotional state that's what we're reviewing next week we have it on spotify we're going to take a deeper look at the idea art and creation of playlists and how creating a combination of songs together can be very emotionally driven I just did the math.
0: If we if we were to to review something with seventy some odd tracks, it would only be a twelve hour podcast. It's really doable. That's a that's in a day's work.
2: That's in an actual whole day's work, work. <laughs> and part that's of the, the night. Point. So <laughs> depending on the time of year,
0: but it wouldn't be accessible. I understand, and that's what really is important: accessibility. Well, even
2: YouTube has like a cutoff. If you go over twelve hours, things start getting wonky about uploading. It's true. Yeah.
1: So yeah, so we're going to have them on as guests. I'm looking forward to that. And uh, check out their website, headoverfields.com, get acquainted with it. They do some great recaps, reviews, pop culture stuff. We're taking a little deeper look into the pop culture things we like. And honestly, Doctor Who's a good place to go since it's a pop culture thing we all like. Um, And on that note, and as always, music Music is life and life life is good. good.